0: Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 38, starting at verse 21. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math. The son of Mattathias, the son of Semen, the son of Joseph, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of Reza, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosum, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliza, the son of Jorim, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Mattathah the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nathan, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, The son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Ro, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalel the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God.
1: Thank you. Uh, Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name's Alex. I'm going to be preaching for us this evening. And when I saw that the BH Preaching rotor had been released and that I was going to be preaching at an evening service for the first time, I was really, really excited I looked down at the rotor and saw that I'd been given a passage in Luke to speak on. I thought, that's nice of them. They've given me a nice, easy Jesus story to start off with. One that I've probably spoken on loads of times at explorers and youth groups before. That'll be fine. And then I read the passage and saw that I'd been given a genealogy to speak on. I mean, talk about being thrown in at the deep end. The Gospel Coalition say that in a culture accustomed to an endless stream of entertainment, a sermon on a genealogy surely must rank alongside root canal treatment. When YouTube, the website that you're probably watching this on, is full of an endless stream of entertainment, here I am, preaching on a genealogy from the Bible. But we all know, as Christians, that all scripture is God breathed all scripture that means that even a list of names written 2000 years ago is breathed out by the great God that we worship and there is so much that he is wanting to teach us from this little bit of Luke's gospel so much that we can learn about the incarnate human being Jesus Christ and who he really was So let's pray for us as we start our time together. I know I'm definitely going to need it. Father, thank you that every word of your scripture is breathed out by you. Thank you that you can teach us new things, no matter where we are in your words. We pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to what you want to teach us this evening. And we pray that we would leave changed because of it. Amen. So for the first time here in Luke's Gospel, we are introduced to an adult, Jesus Christ. There's been two chapters of build-up up up to this point. We've had prophecies, priests, presentations, parents, pregnancies. We've had Christmas. We've had the birth and some of the stories of the childhood of the Saviour, Jesus Christ. But this is the first time that we truly see God as a man. And just like in his birth and his childhood, we see the greater nature of his character being displayed to all those around him. And the greater nature of his character is our first point tonight. So firstly, Jesus, Son of God. It's baptism day. We see from verse 21 that Jesus wasn't the only one being baptised on this particular day. There's crowds and crowds of people coming to John so that John can live up to the title that he'd later be given of John the Baptist. Last week we heard that the word of God came to John and John started preaching some fairly extreme revolutionary truths. So naturally there was crowds of people wanting to hear from him and get baptised by him. We might expect Jesus as John's cousin and the man that John said he was prophesying about to get slight preferential treatment on this baptism day. But what we actually see is Jesus getting preferential treatment from a very different family member. Imagine you're there on that day for a moment. You're there. John's in the river in front of you. People are going up for their baptism. It's the standard procedure. Dunk, done, move on. Then Jesus. Then Jesus walks up to John they say the words together they pray together in out heavens open spirit descends dove appears out of nowhere then a voice a beautiful perfect powerful voice says you are my son with you I am well pleased now That's probably not exactly what we would have experienced if we were there on that day. So, from the way that Luke writes this, uh, we can sort of understand that it's only Jesus that's uh, fully experiencing all of what's happening. So, we don't get an account of crowds of people worshipping Jesus immediately after this event. And the way that Luke phrases it, You are my son. With you I am well pleased. It's clear. But this is a message directly for Jesus. This is a father calling out his son, saying, he is my own and I am well pleased with him. Jesus, son of God. That's who he is promised to be back in Luke 1.32 when he was born. That's who he was in his childhood. That's who he was into adulthood. And that's who he was in his entire life this guy is going to be everything that he was promised to be. The son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. All that Jesus did in his life is wrapped up in his identity as the son of God's. That's what Jesus' baptism shows us. God the Father, proclaiming the identity of God the Son through God the Spirit. To the readers of Luke's Gospel, this sets up Jesus' adult ministry life. It's like the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Sorry, I'm showing my kind of late 90s, early noughties generation here, uh, but bear with me. Uh, In the early episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's an opening monologue where an epic voice says, In every generation, there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons and the forces of darkness. She is the Slayer. Awesome. It's not explicitly stated here that the Slayer is Buffy. But we all know who the voice is is talking about and it gets the viewer ready and prepared for some quality vampire-slaying action. That's like here. It's not explicitly mentioned that Jesus is the Messiah, but we all know what God's really saying when he says, this is my son. He is saying, this is my chosen saviour, my Messiah, my Christ. And this message sets up the ministry years of Jesus Christ. This sets up the years that will see him heal people in only ways the Son of God can. Teach people in ways only one who has the wisdom of the Son of God could. And die to forgive sins in a way only the Son of God can. Here at the baptism, the reader of Luke's Gospel meets the man Jesus Christ and is immediately shown him as the Son of God. Anyone who opens the Gospel expecting to hear the story of the deeds and teachings of a wise spiritual guru or cult leader or pacifist philosopher is left with no alternative as to the identity of this man as he begins his ministry. He is established purely and simply as the Son of God. That is the most important thing we need to know about Jesus' identity as he begins his ministry. In all that we see Jesus say and do, we need to view it through the lens of his heavenly identity. Verses 21 and 22. Jesus, Son of God. Secondly, verses 23 to 38. Jesus, Son of Man. We've seen Jesus' heavenly identity, but we shouldn't forget his earthly identity. It's important to know where people come from, isn't it? When we meet someone, we want to know their history. We want to know where they lived. We want to know their family situation. It's important. We don't necessarily want to know their last 76 male ancestors. Yes, I counted but it can be important. Obviously, it's important to know that Prince George is a descendant of Queen Elizabeth, as that's what means that he'll have the right to sit on the throne one day. It's always important, but it's not always relevant. Like, it's important to know that I'm a distant relation to Captain Matthew Webb, who was the first person to swim the English Channel. It's important, because it's quite a nice, fun, interesting fact. Um, It might interest a few swimmers among you, And it tells you a little bit about my family history. But it's not particularly relevant because I'm a fairly weak swimmer and I haven't been in the English Channel for upwards of a decade. So why is this relevant here? Why is this list of names in Luke 3 relevant? After all, if Jesus is God's son and Joseph didn't have any kind of direct role in his birth, why do we care? Why do we care who his earthly ancestors are? The reason is, is that it shows us that Jesus was a son of man. It shows us he's human. It shows us that he's descended from God's chosen, ordained, royal, holy line. As Christians, we know that uh, Jesus' divinity doesn't negate his humanity. Jesus was born to a human woman. He was raised by a human family and he's descended from a human line, just like all of us. That is important and it is relevant to know as Jesus begins his ministry. Because Jesus shows his humanity in his ministry as well. He loves, he befriends, he weeps, he grows tired, he grows angry, he eats, he drinks, And ultimately, he does the one thing that connects every human life that has ever lived. He dies. He had to be a human to die for us. God can't die, but humans can die. His humanity is integral to his identity, his life and his ultimate purpose on earth. Through showing us his family line. His place in humanity is well and truly established. And this isn't just any family line. This is a family line that encompasses pretty much the entire story of the Old Testament. This is a roll call of the big names in Jewish history, the Hall of Fame. Those great but imperfect blokes who God used for great things. The family line. that that was promised to bring about the Messiah. We get to see the huge names in Jesus' ancestry. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David. And those names, they're not there to show off. This isn't Jesus being like one of those really annoying, uber-posh people who just can't stop banging on about their great-great-great-grandfather who, like, invented toasters or something. No, these names are here for a reason. They're here to reach out and grab the attention of anyone who has read the Old Testament. See, we know from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that the Messiah was going to come from the line of Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 3. We know from Genesis chapter 21, verse 12, that the Messiah was going to come from the line of Isaac. We know from Numbers 24:17 that the Messiah was going to come from the line of Jacob. We know from Genesis 49, verse 10, that the Messiah was going to come from the line of Judah. And we know from 2 Samuel 7, pretty much the whole chapter, but specifically verse 12 to 13, that the Messiah was going to come from the line of David. Those names provided to us in Luke 3 verses 23 to 38 could not be more relevant to Jesus' identity. Luke is spelling out for us here that Jesus ticks all the right boxes. He's descended from all the right people and he has the right identity to be the man that the entire Old Testament was pointing towards. Jesus is the son of all these men. He's descended from the same line as all these men who were foretold to be the forefathers of the coming Messiah. One commentator says he has the right heritage to inherit the ministry of deliverance. With him comes realisation of the Old Testament hope for the nation of Israel. Not only is he the son of God, the source for his identity, He is also the son from the line of humanity that God ordains to provide a saviour from. In this short section, towards the start of Luke's Gospel, both the key aspects of Jesus' identity are highlighted. So you've seen Jesus, son of God, the first part of his identity. Jesus, son of man, the second part of his identity. Final point. Us too. Us too. In Luke 3 we see the adult Jesus Christ and he is shown to us as both son of an almighty God and son of God's great united family descended from his holy line. Of course Jesus is unique and is holy in his true identity. He is the only true son of God who shares fullness in God's nature. He is the holy member of God's chosen family, set apart for the purpose of bringing salvation. That identity is unique to Jesus. But in terms of being a child of God, chosen for a great purpose, brought into a family stretching back right to the beginning of time, under the rulership of an almighty father, giving the privilege of being part of the same family of all of God's greatest chosen servants. That is an identity that is true for each Christian today. That is an identity that we can all claim as our own. We can know that we are sons and daughters of God. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. Each Christian can know that God looks at us and says, This is my son. This is my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. We can know that our names are part of that same genealogy of Jesus. It's like the recent test cricket series played last month uh, between England and the West Indies. Uh, Joe Root, the captain, was out for the first test uh, so that he could be present for the birth of his baby. So Ben Stokes took on the identity of captain for the first match of the series. Joe Root is still the captain. He's still the England test captain. That's not changed. He has that unique identity. But Ben Stokes was able to shadow that identity for one test match as he continues the great work of winning test matches for England, which we did. Like Stokes, like Ben Stokes, we shadow the identity of the great captain of our team and share in part of his identity. But how? How? How are we able to claim and confirm our identity in God's family as his beloved children? Well, the answer is staring us in the face right at the beginning of this chapter. Through baptism. Through making the statement and proclaiming our faith that we want to be part of the same family that Jesus was part of, that we want to be children of God. That's what baptism is. That's what it exists for. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of saying yes to the salvation that Jesus brings. It is outwardly showing to the world that we want to be part of the same family. Of fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, brothers and sisters, of God's chosen people stretching right back to his creation. Even Jesus in his baptism is identifying himself as part of that family. It's like one of my all-time great heroes, Arsene Wenger, the former manager of Arsenal, absolute hero of mine. When he retired from being Arsenal manager after 22 years, he gave a big, awesome speech to the wonderful Emirates crowd of great Arsenal fans. And he said the words, Now, I'm like you. I'm an Arsenal fan. How amazing was that to hear for Arsenal fans? The great big man, the boss, the manager for 22 years, as long as 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 I've been alive at the time, was just one of us now. He was just a fan. Mike McKinley, a Christian author, says, Jesus' baptism is a powerful picture of the truth that the sinless Son of God, capital S, would be willing to identify himself with the sinful sons of God, small s. See, Jesus is God's only son. But we share in his identity when we accept him into our lives and say that we want to be God's children and when we commit to obeying and following his laws and repenting of our sin and living out his salvation in our lives. Jesus is the true born descendant of God's ordained people used to bring about salvation to the world. But we shadow this identity when we say we want to continue the great work that he chose Jesus' ancestors to do into today, showing others, through every action that we do, that we are part of the very same family. Through that, we are able to claim that identity as children of God for ourselves and be part of his family. Just as Jesus did, we are able to go through the symbolic activity of baptism to proclaim our faith in God, and show ourselves as members of His family, and show that we are willing and desiring to live lives that honour the glorious God that we worship. Maybe that's something that you've been considering personally recently. If you're not a Christ, if you're a Christian who hasn't been baptised yet, firstly, yes, you are still a Christian. Uh, saved by grace alone, uh, God's grace alone, through your faith in him alone. But it's definitely worth thinking about, making that faith public, becoming symbolically part of the same family that Jesus and his faithful ancestors were. Obviously, the whole baptism process isn't the most hygienic of things, uh, so we're not sure how soon we'll be able to offer you uh, baptism. But when lockdown is over and life is roughly back to normal, why not think about making a public declaration of your faith in God? If it's good enough for Jesus, it's definitely good enough for us. And if you're not a Christian at all watching this, firstly, thank you. Secondly, keep joining us. If you want to know more about the man who God claimed as His son, who was descended from the line that was prophesied to bring salvation to the world. Years before Jesus was even born, he was prophesied to bring salvation. If you want to know more about that man, keep investing. Keep investing, keep learning, keep reading the Bible, keep reading Scripture, and be introduced to the greatest man who ever lived, the man, Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent your Son um, into this world to live a life worthy of you, to die for us and to forgive our sins. Thank you that he is your Son and you are pleased with him. Thank you that uh, you sent your son to share in the humanity that we experience. You sent your son to redeem humanity and to save humanity. And thank you that you allow us to shadow his identity. Thank you that you allow us into your family. And Father, we pray that we would continue to strive to live lives that glorify you. To live lives each day that show that we are children of you. We are part of your family and we want to live to glorify you. Amen.